Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You may be seated. Amen. Rico, could just, just a little bit, just a teeny bit. God bless you. We're so glad to see you. This is the last Sunday of the year, 2015. Can we thank the Lord for that today? That we're here, we're alive, we made it. We're in our right minds and all of those good things. We're so glad to see all of you here with us. Our aunt is, our aunt is here from Connecticut. Hey, all the way. Come on, thank God for our Aunt Jody. Good to see you. Amen. We thank God always for Mother Alberta Trapio, the most beautiful church mother anybody ever saw anywhere, anytime. We thank God for her. We thank God for the woman with the anointed hug, Mother Linda Cobb. I don't know where she went, but she's here somewhere. Amen. She left the building, but God bless her wherever she is. Amen. And we thank God for the very best pastor anybody could have anywhere on planet Earth, Pastor Leslie Taylor. Thank God for you, Pastor Leslie, Apostle Taylor, our elders, ministers, and our deacons. You're not by yourself anymore, Deacon. You got some help, praise God. Amen. So good to see all of you guys here today. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. About two weeks ago, we learned that God is not intimidated by our past. He's not intimidated by our present. He's not intimidated by where we came from. Not intimidated by where we are right now. There's nothing that you've ever done in your lifetime that can scare him. He knows how to deal with it all. We found out by looking at the lineage of Jesus that Jesus is just so loving and so kind. A week before that, that was last week, a week before that, we talked about the fact that Jesus is the only way. When Moses and Elijah were removed, the only one they could see was Jesus. We talked about Jesus being on the Mount of Transfiguration and how powerful that was. That he allowed what was inside to come out to the outside and for the glory of God to be seen. And we're going to pick up. From them coming down the mountain. That's where we left off two weeks ago. Them coming down the mountain. And we're going to pick up to what they saw. What they encountered when they got down. Matthew 9 and Mark 9 excuse me in 14. And it should say and when he came. Is that right? And when he came to the disciples. He saw a great multitude around them. And scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And he often has thrown him into the fire, both into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. 
Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and, because, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Thank you, Lord, for what you want to share with us today. We love you so very, very much. My heart is, God, that we hear you. We hear you clearly and we hear you plainly. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you from the topic today, help me believe. Help me believe. Elder Johnson opened up today beautifully, talking about the struggles of life. And I'm not one that likes to dwell on the struggles of life, because the struggles of life is more the problem. I like to dwell on the solution. His name is Jesus. Amen. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your problem is, Jesus is the answer for the world today. <laughs> Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Y'all heard that song before. Jesus is our answer. So it doesn't matter what you're up against. He's the answer. Quick and fast. That's it. The issue is that some of us have been in what we've been in for so long that even though we believe, we don't believe. There's a belief, but then there's a lack. Come on. Anybody in here willing to be like that man and be honest to say, Lord, help me <laughs> believe. I have a lot of respect for this dude because he could have acted, you know, churchy. You understand what I'm saying? He protected his image and acted like he really had faith for that thing. But his honesty is what blesses me. You look at this text, Jesus has been on the Mount of Transfiguration, and you remember Peter said, come on, let's build these tents, these tabernacles. We're going to stay up here forever, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And after that, God causes Elijah and Moses to disappear, and the only one standing there, the only one they can see is Jesus. And they come down the hill. Now, this, this, this teaches us a lesson. After every mountaintop experience, there is a trip to the valley. We don't, we don't live on mountaintops. We actually live in valleys. Can I tell you something? That your greatest anointing is not needed for the mountaintop. It's needed for the valley. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost. We're talking about the power of the Holy Ghost on the mountaintop. The power of the Holy Ghost is really seen in the valley when you're going through your everyday go through. We all like the mountaintop. We all like those wonderful experiences where we're in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit is falling on us like the dew of heaven and we feel this wonderful feeling and we leave the church saying, oh, what a word, oh, what a worship. But the reality is that God wants you to have victory not only on your mountaintop, but God wants you to have victory in your valleys. 
The valley is where we live. The mountaintop is where we worship and we go in. So every, after every Sunday mountaintop experience, God expects you to walk out of here, go back to your valley, and walk in victory anyhow. Somebody say amen. amen. Touch your name and say, I have victory in my valleys. Tell them I have victory on my job. I have victory in my house. I have victory over sickness. I have victory over depression. I have victory in my finances. I have victory in my marriage. Somebody say, I have victory. So after they come down off the mountain, the first thing they encounter is the scribes and the disciples involved in a dispute. Listen, listen, there's no, there's no break time, there's no nothing. As soon as they hit the valley, Jesus runs up on a mess. So some of us wonder, how is it I could be in the presence of God one moment and then see a mess the next? I got a good word, I'm inspired, I'm all encouraged, I'm all lifted up, and time I get home, foolishness. Jesus had just been on the mountain with Elijah and Moses and heard his father say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the moment he hit the foot of the, mount, of the mountain, what? Foolishness. Scribes and Pharisees, now I understand why Peter wanted to stay up there. Now I get it because Peter was trying to hide from life. But I want to tell you something, you can't hide from life in your mountain. Can't hide from life. Can't run to the church and hide from life. Because I'm going to tell you, when you come up out of them doors, life is going to be waiting on you. Somebody shout yes. Oh, but touch your neighbor and say, but I'm ready for it, though. Life might be waiting on me, but it better be ready when I get there. Oh, yeah, I got a new attitude. Sing, Patty. I got a new attitude. So they come down and there's a dispute going on, right? They're arguing. Basically, they're arguing. Layman's term, they're arguing. Scribes and the Pharisees. The likelihood is that the Pharisees started it. The scribes, the scribes started it with the, with the disciples. So they, Jesus walks up and everybody's amazed. That, that part kind of stood out to me. And I, well, what are you amazed for? Jesus just walked up and everybody's amazed. And when they see him, they run to him. And so Jesus, the first thing he says, he looks at the scribes, not the disciples, because he, he knows the spirit of the scribes. Yeah. And he looks at the, descri the scribes and he says, hey, what are you disputing about? See, not the disciples because he knows it's not in the spirit of those that he taught to be starting arguments. But he knew that it was in the spirit of the scribes to be problematic, you understand. And so he asked them, he says, what are you discussing with them? Verse 17, then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they, come on, could not. So he said, Jesus, I was really bringing him to you. 
I knew where I should come. I knew the one who could solve my problem. I was bringing him to you, but I found out from the nine that were here that you were up in the mountain and you were, you were not available at the time. So, so I asked those who are closest to you, who've been walking with you for all these years, who've been learning from you, I asked them to do something about the devil and my son, but they couldn't do anything about it. Oh, see, it's something how people who expect us who spend time with God to be able to give them a solution to their problems. See, the anointing can't just be for church, for hands-laying services, but that got to be something in us that's ready for the streets that we live on. Somebody shout yes in here. There's got to be something in us that's not intimidated by what we see on the news that has a word that's ready in season to speak over those that we see that are under the corrupt system of the enemy. Yeah, they couldn't do anything about it. Now, this is most likely what, what the argument was all about. That the scribes had been there when the man brought his son, who has a mute spirit, which means he can't speak. And Jesus speaks to the spirit and he says, you're both deaf and dumb. So, so most likely he couldn't hear either. But he, speak, he says, I brought him to you. And so the scribes saw, let's go down. They saw nine disciples against one spirit. And they saw that they couldn't do anything about it. So the scribes are probably using this, Edward, as an opportunity to discourage and embarrass the disciples. And it's something that in your time of failure... That there's always somebody to point out to you how badly you messed up. Y'all act like you never failed. I'm going to try it over here. In your time of failure, there's always somebody there watching who will throw your stuff in your face. But my question is, while they were arguing, who was ministering to the man and his son? Why are we arguing about denominations? Why are we arguing about in the name of Jesus or at the name of Jesus or by the name of Jesus or through the name of Jesus? Why are we do all this argument about foolish stuff? What about the people who hurting? Well, I don't like the way you do that. I don't like the way you did that. Well, I don't like the way you said that. I don't like the way you sung it. I don't think you ought to wear that. Oh, did you wear that? Did you? What about your head? Is it covered? Is it uncovered? What in the world? What about the sick people? So while they're arguing, there's a man. With a son who's filled with a demon, the same demon that he had when he walked up there. Now, what I like about Mark is his, 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 what is, what is the word I want to say? His authenticity, his, his honesty. Mark's one of the nine. Now, Mark didn't say he brought him to eight. He included himself. So basically what he's saying is he brought him to us. And we couldn't do nothing about it. That brings it home right there. He brought him to us and there was nothing we could do. So, see, the, the thing is, why didn't the scribes, y'all, cast out the spirit? Sam, they up there trying to embarrass the disciples about the fact that they couldn't do it. Meanwhile, none of them stepped up in their orthodoxy. And did anything about it. People who want to point out what you did or what you did wrong without a solution, 
are just complainers. Just want to teach you something. You got to know, you got to know who's around you. You got to know. See, if somebody comes to you and tell you you're doing something wrong, Cherie, and they don't have a solution, they don't have another viable option, all they're doing, baby, is complaining and nitpicking. Those are the people I call the peanut gallery. They have no contribution. They just got stuff to say. So they're arguing, and meanwhile, the child still falling on the ground, foaming at the mouth, becoming rigid. All of this, all of this, while they argue with one another. A real issue while they talk about church stuff. While we try to be church politically correct, there are people in this room who have real issues. While, while, while we prepare these sermons that wow people, while, while pastors and preachers are under the pressure to preach good so that, so that we could be excited. There are people in the room with real issues. And I've never seen a good sounding sermon make a difference in somebody's life. It is an anointed rhema word that makes the difference in the life of a person. So it's not about performance. It's about the spirit of God. As Jesus listened to the whole situation, watch this now. It's beautiful. The man lays it all out in verse 18. And, and Jesus looks around and he says, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear you? Bring him to me. Now, I understand why Jesus feels this way. Because he just came from the mountaintop. He just heard about his exodus. And now he comes back to the people he taught and sees that they can't operate in what he taught them to operate in. This is the frustration. When it has been taught but it's not being lived. Somebody talk back to me. This is the frustration when we know that people know, but they don't know how to walk in what they know. 52 weeks of worship, 52 weeks of preaching, 52 weeks of lifting hands, 52 weeks of laying on a hand. And some are in the same place that they were in at the beginning of the year, letting the same stuff trip them up, letting the same issues mess their head up, letting the same sickness cause them to be depressed. That can cause anybody to be a little frustrated. So Jesus, after hearing that he's about to leave soon, looks at him and say, how about it? It's time to go. There's nothing like when you're on your last week of your job. Yes, 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? You about to go to that new job. You about to go to a better pay, better circumstances. You're on your last week and somebody come up to you with foolishness. You know what you're saying in your mind. All right, now I ain't got but a few more days. Act stupid if you want to. I'll walk up out of here today. I... Especially when you know that greater is on the horizon. You, you have a very small threshold for foolishness. One more time. One more time. I done come here, work my fingers to the bone. I've I been your best employee and you still dogging me out. On time, stay late. These jokers over here don't do nothing and you fussing at me? You know how, you know how we, you know. So Jesus, Jesus has just heard about his exodus. They come to talk to him about when he's going to leave. He, he, knows, he knows his work is almost done. And he looks at these nine guys that he's been mentoring. Not, not, they, 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 they were with Jesus way more than we're at church. They walked with him, talked with him, slept by him, ate with him, everything. And after all this time, you mean to tell me nine of y'all. And scribes, y'all still doing the same stuff I met you doing. That's what bothers me. After all this time, you're still stuck in the same place. It pains me, just personal, just for a minute. It pains me to see people doing the same thing in this late hour. Looks like Jesus is coming back any moment now, and we like a record stuck in the same place. It scares me. To see people argue about non-issues while there are lost souls that need to be saved. I can understand this frustration. After how good God's been to us, some of us still don't believe. Still don't trust, still waver, still up and down. Roller coaster riding. Happy one day, sad the next. Mean one day, nice the next. No balance after all this time. Calls them a generation of faithless people. Not just without faith, but not being faithful. But if you don't have faith, how can you be faithful? Faithless generation. How long do I have to be with you? How long do I have to bear with you? Bring him to me. I like Jesus. Bring him to me. And when they bring him to Jesus, I want you to catch the revelation in it. When they bring him to Jesus, when he sees him, it says the spirit, verse 20, uh, convulsed him. He fell on the ground, wallet foaming at the mouth. Watch this. Right when he get that close to deliverance, the spirit in him acts up. When he gets that close to deliverance, the spirit in the boy acts up, throws him down in a last-ditch display of feeble power. Trying to mess with the mind of the daddy. 
to make the daddy doubt whether or not this trip means anything or not. Some of us, you don't know. You're right at the door of your breakthrough. That's why you're coming up against so much stuff right now. Oh, next level living. Pastor said this is next level living. Last year he said we were shifting. And it seemed like the deeper I get into 2015, the harder it gets. I'm here to proclaim to you that you are almost at the door of your breakthrough. The closer you get, the more the devil acts up. Touch your neighbor and say, you almost there. Look at him, tell him, don't you turn around. Don't you turn around. You are almost right. So Cherie, right? Right there in front of Jesus. Now it says when he sees him. So it says when he saw him. So I'm like, well, who saw who? I don't know because it's really not that clear. And if I'm messing up, God help me. But he, I know Jesus saw him, but I figure he saw And right there, when they're that close, the spirit throws the boy down. The boy starts convulsing. Now, imagine being the daddy now. Imagine being the daddy. You have just went and got your son because Jesus said so. Watch now. You following the Lord now. The Lord said, the word said, go get him and bring him here. Wasn't that what the word said? I mean, in the beginning with the word, the word was with God. The word was God. So the word said, bring him here. You went and did what the word said, and as soon as you got your son where the word said to bring him, the spirit took over. Now, 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 I just brought him to the disciples, and they couldn't do nothing. Now, I get him to the man I was looking for. And soon as I get him in front of him, there that spirit is again. Somehow I thought that things would get better the closer I got. Am I talking to anybody in here who thought that the closer you got to the will of God, the easier it would get? Anybody thought that? Anybody here thought that? The, clo the, the closer I get in, the more I pray, the more I seek his face. The closer I get, the more I read. The easier it's going to get, the better it's going to get. And then that spirit starts acting up even more. It'll either make you question whether or not you're in the will of God or whether or not God works. Any real people in here? Well, maybe this don't really work. Maybe this church thing don't work. Maybe I need to reassess my stuff. Maybe I need to look at another way. Maybe I need to look at somebody on TV. Maybe I need to listen to this person. Maybe I need to read this book. Maybe I ought to let Ayana fix it. Maybe I ought to do something. Or maybe I'm a low-down sinner. Maybe I'm not in the will of God. Maybe I heard God wrong. Maybe that preacher don't know what he's talking about. Because it seems like the more I get in line with God's word, Mother Trapio, the crazier things get. That's just the enemy trying to mess with your faith. But tell somebody my faith will not be messed with. 
You know why? Because I come too far. And I've gotten too close to let this stuff right here mess with my mind. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, look, look at your neighbor and say, I've been saying way too long to quit now. Uh-uh, I done prayed too much. I done been on too many consecrations. Gave too many first fruits. Lifted my hands too many times. Ran too many times. Shouted too many times to let the devil mess with my faith. Oh, no. I come too far. I done went through all of this to get my son here. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, Jesus looks at the father calmly, calmly now and says, how long has he been like this? Now, if you're the dad, you're thinking, that's an odd question. I didn't bring you here. I didn't bring him here for you to ask me questions. Isn't it something how when you go to the doctor, and you tell him about your symptoms, he starts asking you questions. You went looking for answers. But he asked questions. It's because he's digging deeper so that he can make the proper diagnosis, so that he can give you what you need that won't just do deal with your symptoms, but deal with your cause. Some of us just want our symptoms dealt with. But if you don't have what's causing it dealt with, so my question is, do you want him to fix it? Or do you just want him to make it better? Because better, better is a quick fix. But if you want it permanently dealt with, he's got to dig deeper. How long has he been like this? How long has he been doing this? So listen to what he says. He says, since he was a child. Now, catch, hold on to that. Hold on to that now. So it means he's no longer a child. So this has been going on for a while. Yeah. Stay with this now. Now, he didn't, he didn't stop there just with how long Sister Moy has been happening. He gives more explanation. He says, not only has it happened from childhood, but he has often thrown him both into the fire and into the warrior, water. For what purpose? Look, to destroy him. Hold on now. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Y'all read what I'm reading. He has often thrown him into both the fire and the water. He done it a lot and regularly with the intent of destroying him. But where's the boy? Right there. You got to get it. <laughs> the spirit has been trying to kill him. But the boy's still there. See, we complain so much 
about what's trying to take us out, we forget to celebrate. I'm still here. <laughs> See what I'm saying? We focusing on the wrong stuff. Devil tried to take my house, but you're still in it. When you get home, run around it. Take your shoes off and run through every room. Everybody in here, that the enemy tried to take your house. Today, I tell you, you better run through it and give God praise. We focus too much. See, see the devil yeah, tried to kill him many times, all the time, but it couldn't do it. Well, throw him into the fire, throw him into the water. Tried to burn him up, tried to drown him. But he couldn't. You know you walk through the fire. You walk through the waters. That's the promise of the word of God right there. So, so, so it couldn't do it. Now, to give you some background, to give you some background, what time is it? To give you some background, there were open fires always burning in Israel. And bodies of water with no protection and no fences around them. So you can imagine that all the time, every time he passed the open fire, the spirit would throw him in. Every time they walked by the lake or a pond, that spirit would throw him in. So it was to the point where somebody had to be with him all the time. So the boy is not the only one suffering. The whole family's suffering. So you, you can't really have no me time because you always have to be looking out for the boy. That's why, that's why when, when, when he says, watch this, but if you can do anything, he says, have compassion on us. See, he didn't say have compassion on him. He said have compassion on us. See, if you've ever had a sick family member, you know that when you have a sick family member, everybody is dealing with it. So he said, have compassion what? On us. If, if you can do anything. He says, and help us. Okay. So Jesus says, how long has it been this way? He says, he's been this way since a child. And, and then often the spirit tries to throw him into the fire and the water to destroy him. He says, it happens all the time. And now you can look at the backstory and you can see that they probably got to spend all that time trying to keep this boy from being hurt. Ever since he was a little fella, the spirit had possession of him. Ever since he was a little lad, going to school with his other little friends and the spirit would take possession of him. I can imagine what it felt like the first time that that spirit took possession of that boy. And he fell on the ground and started foaming at the mouth and they didn't know what to do. And after a while, you just kind of get used to it. After a while, you just start thinking, this is the way it's going to be anyway. Nobody's talking to me. And then people tell you stuff like, well, baby, you're always going to have to deal with something, so you might as well just accept the fact that this is what you got to deal with. Ain't nobody, come on, this, we're going to have real church. This is last Sunday. We might as well go on and do it right. And somebody tells some other, believer, other believers, believers saying this is the way it's going to always going to be. You're all in this world. You're always going to have tribulations. You're going to always have to deal with this. Everybody's got something. This is your something. 
But at some point, this man, this man, at some point, this man heard about a man named Jesus. At some point, at some point, he heard about a man named Jesus, and that thing stirred up hope in him. That's why we got to tell people what the Lord has done for us. That's why we got to talk about Jesus. We got to talk about Jesus more than we talk about ourselves. We got to stop talking about how much we prayed and how much we fasted and how much we praised and how much we ran and just talk about the fact that God has been good to me. Just talk about the fact that I believed on him. I believed on his son, Jesus, and with his stripes, I was healed. We got to give some of the credit to him because that's what brings hope the fact that we did something don't bring hope that just makes people who are lost feel like there ain't no way I can get it because you holy see you with the Lord you can do that you can pray but I don't even know how to pray the fact of the matter is some of us didn't pray we cried out to God one day and we didn't have a lot of faith and God still moved so this so one day he heard about Jesus and he got his hopes up he started getting his hopes up and I gotta say something to you you gotta stop being scared to get your hopes up you gotta, you gotta get your hopes up come on look at somebody and say I'm getting my hope up right now I gotta get my hopes up I gotta get my hopes up cause some of us we've been through so much we, we scared to get our hopes up you understand we don't want to stop believing that this thing can get better because it's been this way for so long and so he's, since he was a child and every time I turn around he in the fire I gotta pull him out of the fire you know what that means that means if he fell in the fire obviously he got some burns on him so every time you see him you see a reminder of what he's been through every time you see the boy you see the burns on his body you see that you see that and you remember the time that he fell in the water and you almost lost him you remember that and so this, the father got all this stuff on him after Jesus and he had to just get it out he, somebody had to listen to him because the scribes and the disciples were too busy arguing nobody could hear him so Jesus takes time to hear him out so he asked a question so the man could pour out his heart before Jesus and Jesus has heard the whole matter so when Jesus in verse 25 sees all the people beginning to run together because Jesus is not a crowd please Jesus looks over at the boy and at the spirit that's in the boy and he says you deaf and dumb spirit come out of him but when he says that but when he says that watch this watch this he says I command you to come out of him and enter him no more you know what Jesus said this is over this is the last day this is the last day that you're going to be in this boy's life this is the last day you're going to torment his family. This is the last day. Somebody shout, this is the last day. Somebody, you got to say that thing with faith. This is the last day that I'm going to lose a night's sleep. This is the last day that I'm going to worry about this foolishness. This is the last day that I'm going to let my peace be robbed of me. This is the last day. Jesus said, come out of him and enter no more. But when he says that, but when he says that, the spirit cries out and convulsed him. Look, greatly. And came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. Even when Jesus told the spirit to come out, the spirit said, I'm going to shake him one more time. I'm going to shake him one more time. My last chance to rob this father of his faith. Jesus Look at what he says. Look at what he says. He just stands there. Jesus just stands and watches. He doesn't say another word. You know why? Because he knew that when he spoke, it was done. Now, what precipitated this? This question of if. Jesus, if you can, help us. And that's where somebody in this room is today. 
if you can. You don't have to say anything out loud. You don't have to wave your hand. He knows who you are. The thing is, he's not tripping. He's not intimidated by your struggle. Like people tend to be. See, people will make us feel worse for not believing enough. When those same people don't believe enough sometimes. Real talk. So he says, if, and then Jesus says, wait a minute. Let me flip it. Not if I can, but if you can. See, he says, listen to Keith, listen to Keith. If you can believe, that's all I need you to do. Believe. He says, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, Jesus doesn't say to the man, all things are possible to you if you believe because you're not the only one in the crowd who's struggling to believe. It'd be foolish of Jesus to think that the man is the only one in the crowd with a faith struggle. Some people serving in the church, leading worship, even preaching and having faith struggles. So he says, if a man can believe, all things are possible What to him that believes. The man said, oh, I believe. I believe, but help my unbelief. So Jesus says, okay. I help it. That's how we get to him speaking to the spirit. Jesus, oh, you want me to help your unbelief? Okay, I'm going to do it. Deaf and dumb spirit. Come out. And by the way, don't come back. And it throws, it throws the boy on the ground yes, one last time. Yeah. And it left him. Now, they thought the boy was dead. They said, Lord, the spirit done killed him. Jesus walks over to him, reaches out, yeah. takes him by the hand, yeah. lifts him up. And a demon-free boy. Gets up. See, this last thing that he's going to do is going to be what you need to deal with that unbelief. He said, help, help me with my unbelief. Jesus said, just a minute. See, you got to understand, you got to understand what this man's been. All these years of probably trying to get it better and nothing worked. Bring him to the disciples and they couldn't do it, Nelson. 
and even seemingly brought him to Jesus, and it seemed like it wouldn't work. So this man said, I need some help. Because you know what? I can't go into 2016 fighting against the same stuff from 2015. So God, right here, I need to get real with you. And I need to ask you to help me. See, this sermon is more about the man's attitude than the miracle Jesus performed. If we keep going into the new year acting like we got it all together, trying to, you understand what I'm saying? That's not real. When we know that we don't have faith to see what God promised us. Some of us from the beginning of 2016, the idea of next level living just seemed like too much. Just the whole thought of, I'm going to live at the next level? That job was exciting, right? And then we came off the mountain. And we went back to the valley. We went back to real life. And you know what life said? You ain't going to live at no next level. Life said, uh-uh. You can say next level living, but I'm telling you, you're going to struggle all year long. And, and, you, and you know what happened? Because we really didn't have faith that we could step up. We didn't step up. And so we were left struggling and fighting and trying to survive. And, and when we were hearing words saying that we could live the kingdom life. And, and all of these things were coming to us and we just kept struggling with it. And, and it's all because we didn't have that raw, honest moment with God. And say, Lord, help me believe. Help me believe that I can be delivered from this sickness. Help me believe that my marriage can be healed. Help me believe that I can get out of the grips of this addiction. Help me believe that I can overcome these financial situations and circumstances. Help me, God, to get past this, this, this one wall that keeps tripping me up time after time after time. It's been 20 years of the same foolishness, God. And I need you to help me to believe at the level that I can overcome this thing. Anybody in this room that, we're not going to leave on no, no super-duper high note. Come on, this realism right here. Anybody in this room, the same stuff. Oh, over and over and over and over and over again and to the point where you're tired of talking about it well talk about it no more come on offer it up to God and say God I need your help right here I need your help right here in this place for this thing right here for this thing that just keeps coming back time after time after time every time it looks like it's getting better every time I do what you tell me to do it comes back even stronger but God I believe you today but I need you to help my unbelief Help my unbelief. Help me to walk into 2016 free of this thing. Come on, God, help me. Help me to believe that I can live at the next level, God. Help me. Help me, God, to get this thing together. Help me, God, to stop falling into the same pit time after time after time. Help me. Help me, God. Help me. Help me that when I go to the doctor and they tell me that it's getting worse to still believe. Help me. Help me, God, to not look at my circumstances and allow my circumstances to pull me into the spirit of depression. Help me. Help me, God. Help me, God. Help me. Somebody say help me. Come on. This is a real moment. Help me, God. I need you to help me. Help me that when I'm ready to give up, God, that I don't throw in the towel. Help me, God, to not walk away from the church and walk away from you. Help me, God. Help me, God, to look the other way when temptation is calling me. I need you to help me, God, because I'm tired of coming back to you repenting for the same foolishness over and over and over again abusing your grace God I need your help today
If you're tired of making commitments to God, but you're not keeping them, you just keep falling. You just keep falling. You make a commitment and you don't keep it. Come on, say, help me, help me. Help me, God, help me. Help me to live for you. Help me to love you the way I should. Help me to believe you the way I should. Help me to treat my family the way I should. Help me to walk in faith. Help me, Lord, to walk with my head lifted up. Come on, somebody better cry for help right now. Help me, help me. He's here to help you. He's here to help you. If you need help today, come on, give him glory. If you need help, come on, this is your moment. This is your moment. Come on, if you really need help. It doesn't matter how long it's been going on. I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. It doesn't matter how many times you fell down and had to get back up again. Jesus is your answer. I don't care how bad they say it is. I don't care how bad it looks. I'm telling you, Jesus is your answer. Don't you give up now. Don't you quit now. You're too close. The reason it is such a battle for you, such a fight for you, is because you keep getting close to your destiny. And every time you get close to your destiny, the enemy turns up the heat. But you got to be able to recognize the moment that you're in. Somebody say, I recognize my moment now. I recognize it, that I'm at the door of destiny. And the enemy has to fight me because I am going to get to what God promised me. And I refuse to let the enemy keep me from God's best. I refuse to live another day like this. I refuse to live subject to my emotions, subject to my circumstances. I refuse. So it starts over today. It starts over today. It starts over today. It starts over today. Come on, say it. It starts over today. It starts over today. I'm not waiting until tomorrow. I'm not going to wait until January the 1st. See, I'm not waiting on a special service on a special night to see my life turned around. Right now, today, in an ordinary worship service, I'm going to proclaim that my life is about to turn around. I need you to be unafraid right now. I need you to be unafraid right now and say it's about to turn right now. It's about to turn right now. Come on, with no doubt and no fear and no unbelief. Come on, say it. It's about to turn right now. Come on, say it. It's about to turn right now. It's about to turn right now. sermon this sermon is about the father's authenticity it's about a real moment in the life of a real person and so many times in the Bible we see these people who look to be almost superhuman we look at them and, 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 and mother we look at them and we say I can never do what they did I could never have that kind of faith. I could never believe on that level. And here's a man who's honest and says, help me. Because see, your history, your history will keep you from your future. Your history, see, some of us, we're looking at our history and, and even though right now you want to say it so bad, everything's turning around. Everything's turning around. It's hard to muster up the boldness because the last time you said it, something came. The last time you said it, something came against your confession. 
And now you're scared to make a new confession. But I'm telling you that when you make your confession, even when that thing comes against you, you got to know I'm close. I'm right there. And this thing wouldn't be fighting me the way it is if I wasn't this close. Some of you are so close to your healing, so close to your breakthrough, so close to your deliverance. You can almost taste it. And that's why the enemy's trying to shake your world up. So husbands and wives, if you're together, grab your spouse's hand and say, it's about to turn around. Say, it's about to turn around. Come on, tell him, it's about to turn around. If your spouse is not here, when you see your spouse, grab them by the hand and tell them, baby, it's about to turn around. God's about to do it. God's going to make it happen. I'm standing on my faith. I'm going to believe God like I've never believed him before. I'm going to trust God like I've never trusted God before. If you're single, just lift your own hand and say, it's about to turn around for me. It's about to turn around for me. It's about to turn around for me. Come on, say it like you mean it. It's about to turn around for me. It's about to turn around for me. The word has already spoken it, and now I receive it. I'm not making stuff up. I'm telling you, the word of God promised certain things to you. You've been reading those promises all year. You've been quoting them all year. Now it's time for you to possess it. So God, help me. Help me in the areas where I struggle. I know I have areas of strength. I know I have areas where I do well. But God, I need you to help me where I struggle. Help me, Lord God, where I'm weak. Help me, God. Help me in my weak places. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say I've got some weak places. So God, I need you to help me in my weak places. I need to help me, Lord God, where I, where, I, where I don't have strength, God. I need you to help me. Right now, I need you to, your strength to be made perfect in me because I got some weakness in me. I've been able to believe you in some areas, but this one area, this one place, this one spot, I just keep falling. I keep falling. So God, help me. Help me. Help me believe. Help me believe when you speak to my spirit and tell me it's about to get better. Help me believe when I receive that word and I know it's mine. Help me, God. Help me believe when I read that scripture and it leaps off the page and it speaks to my heart. Help me. <laughs> help me, God, when I make that confession out of my own mouth. Help me. <laughs> oh, God, I need your help, God. I need your help, God. Because I tried to do it on my own. I tried to muster up my own strength, but it won't work. I tried, to, I tried to be that kind of Christian that could make it happen for themselves, but I recognize I need your help. Because this thing right here is different from the other ones. Disciples said, why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? He says, this kind coming not out, but by prayer and fasting 
This is a stubborn enemy, Sister Moore. This is a stubborn enemy. He does not want to give up his grip. But I decree by the word of the Lord that he must release his grip. We're going to believe God on this one. No, we're not going to believe that our works are going to do it. We're not going to believe that if I just do this one more thing, it's going to work. No, we're going to believe God on this one. And God, if I start getting weak, if I start looking like I'm about to give up, remind me to scream, help. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God, that you are not intimidated or intimidated or you're not offended at our unbelief. Today we come to you real. And we say, yeah, although we believe, sometimes we struggle to believe. But we thank you, God, that if we ask you to help us, you will help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on and give God a praise in this house. Come on and give God a praise in this house. Come on and give God praise in this house. Come on and give God praise in this house.